I love that last song. It's almost like a ballad in terms of how we express our love to Christ. And even in the midst of all the winterness and the coldness and how these kinds of days change our perspective and disrupt what we want to do. And the reality is, the eternal reality is, is that everyone in this room who says that they love Jesus is going to stand before the Lord and say exactly those kinds of things. Uh, with adulation, with tremendous energy. And the role, part of the role of the believer here on this earth is to practice for that. So that we use Sunday mornings um, to bring ourselves back into the presence of Christ and to give him the praise and the thanks, the adoration that he deserves for the great things that he has done for us. Even if he didn't do those great things for us, he would still be worthy of that. So um, thank you, Nate, for your ministry this morning to us. Um, we really do want to make this draw near service a, a time of meaningful and deep reflection, a change up so that so that it's just okay not to not to be like preoccupied with everything else that's going on in the service, but this is your time. Your time to look inward, to think differently, to see Jesus more clearly than maybe how we've seen him throughout the course of the week. So I appreciate it, especially that last song, and uh, I was reminded of all that and felt like I should share it with you. So to bridge from last week to what we're going to be talking about this week, as I presented last week uh, to you the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and encouraged all of us to kind of track how we were doing with those gifts of the Holy Spirit vis-a-vis -vis this card that I handed out. I'm not going to ask how many of you did this this week, but um, but I I did it did become kind of clear to me that when you begin to focus on the fruits of the spirit, how Satan can turn life into fruitiness, right? So uh, you know some of you may have done this uh, over the course of the week or for a few days or whatever you did it. And you may have found yourself being a bit discouraged because you weren't putting enough of the pluses in there. And maybe you saw too many zeros or negatives. And that's really part of the point. I mean, part of the point is for us to see um, in real time with greater clarity what we really are and are not. And then by discovering what it is that we really are and are not, in whatever way we may find ourselves kind of deficient, instead of becoming discouraged, we choose to punch through. We choose to say to ourselves and to our God, this is not what I want to be. I want to be more than that.
And so if you continue to do this and you find yourself becoming discouraged, and by the way, that's precisely what the enemy would want you to do. So you may be playing into his hands if you do that. Don't become discouraged. Become motivated to be even more than what you were before. Because the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the Spirit. So without the fruit, there is no Spirit. And if there is no Spirit, we should all be very, very concerned. That doesn't mean the Spirit is totally absent. It may mean that the Spirit we are repressing and we are not allowed to control and to influence our lives like we want, like He wants. And I say, let go and let God, let him bring about his fruit in our lives. So uh, I just really, if you've given up on this or, or you don't, you may not, you may not have been convinced or whatever, I urge you, don't be discouraged. Don't give up on the fruits of the spirit. Don't allow yourselves uh, to abandon the importance of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It is what makes you light. It is what drives back the darkness. It is what attracts other people to Christ. It is so very important. And I just really, really think that we should go at it with renewed energy and determination. So, again, as we talk about the recalibration of our life and faith, we're on this last section called constancy. And today I'll be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit as a part of how we recalibrate our faith. Now, maybe some of you might think, well, that's, it doesn't seem quite to fit, but it, it really does. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are really um, uh, very much a part of how our life, our, our life and faith in Christ becomes alive and invigorating and inspiring. I'm never, I never feel more alive than when I, when I feel as if I am using the gifts that God has given to me. I feel a sense of purpose. I feel affirmed. I feel like my behavior is confirmed, that it's meaningful, that I belong to something greater and bigger than me. Now, the passage that most of you are most familiar with is probably from 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. This is probably the most well-known passage um, in addition to the, the, the passages in Romans and the passages in the book of Ephesians, but this is probably the most well-known. It's certainly the longest and most, I think, uh, it unpacks it the most. But beginning with verse 4, it reads, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all 
in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the identification, awareness, knowledge, and the proper and intentional exercise of our God-given spiritual gifts bring vitality and purpose to our life as a Christian. In other words, when you exercise, hear me now, when you exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he has given them to you, you are being you. When we do not exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he has given to us, we are not being us. We are being less than us or something else. Now, I get it, especially in, you know, I don't know if you know this, but for a number of decades, there was this kind of like uh, undeclared war between churches that were evangelical, maybe fundamentalist, and churches that were Pentecostal and charismatic. And so uh, if you came out of the evangelical or fundamentalist background, your view of the gifts of the Spirit was kind of altered, shaped. You have a very cautious view of how you look at that. In some circles within evangelicalism, uh, certain gifts were declared to have ended during the apostolic era. That when the, the last of the apostles died, then certain gifts died off. And for some people, all the gifts died off. And for other people, with certain gifts like tongues or prophecy or healing or those kinds of things. I don't read that in the scripture. I don't read anywhere where those gifts have ended if anyone's ended those gifts, it's we who have ended those gifts. Because we're not open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be careful with that. Because on the other end of the spectrum, within much of, not all, but much of the Pentecostal charismatic tradition, when you talk about the gifts of the Spirit, they were exercised in some really unhealthy ways and pursued in some really unhealthy ways. So there was oftentimes this kind of pecking order, like if you were spirit-filled, you would always speak in tongues, for example. I don't read that in the scriptures. And so I think there has to be a fair-minded and balanced view, a biblical view of how and what Paul meant by the gifts of the Spirit. But I, I will go back to this and I will say to you clearly that um, if you exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you, that as he has given them to you, you are exercising you. And if those gifts are absent, even though they should be present, you are not exercising you. You are exercising something less than you as a result. And that creates an enormous hole within the work of the church and of the believer. And I'll explain why in just a little bit. 
So here is the complete list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as I understand them, from 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians. Maybe you didn't know there were this many of them. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, affecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various tongues, the interpretation of tongues, gifts of service in serving, gifts of teaching or being a teacher, gifts of exhortation, I mean, I'm sorry, exhortation, which, which, which I just want, which we, we, we need more of this within the church. Uh, and, and, I mean, we need all of this more, but that seems to be one that's kind of flat. Gifts of giving, gifts of leadership, gifts of mercy, gifts of apostleship, gifts of prophets, gifts of helps and service, gifts of administration, gifts of evangelism, and gifts of a, being a pastor or a shepherd. Now, I am not today going to go through all of those and explain what each of those are. Uh, um, I'm going to wait till next week, I think, to unpack some of that so that maybe some of you can identify these gifts as belonging to you uh, and be helpfully uh, kind of uh, informed a bit more about how they work and why they need to be used. Now, in addition to those gifts, how many of you knew that there were that many? Are you surprised? How many of you are surprised that there are that many? Yeah, right? And so before I go, before I, before I go any further, I want to say this. Everyone in this room has one and most likely many more of these gifts that God has given to you. Everyone in this room has at least one. You probably have more of these gifts. Do you know what your gifts are? Have you embraced the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you exercise those gifts? How about this? How many of you are dependent upon other believers for their gifts to be exercised in your life? How many of you feed off of the other gifts that are present in other people's lives in order that your life might be edified? Now, in addition to these gifts here, that all of us have at least one, if not more, many more, um, there are also there also is a hierarchy of the gifts of the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28, where he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then Miracles, 
then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. This is the hierarchy, according to Paul. So, depending on how you want to interpret the word apostles, if you want to interpret it sort of in a a rather strict manner, then we're talking about the the apostles as those people who uh, ministered with Jesus. So, about about, probably about uh, 10 or 12 years ago, I, I shared this word with you. There was a, the criteria to be a, an apostle was referred to as apostolicity. And apostolicity meant that you either had to be with Jesus, minister with him as one of his disciples, or you had to be an immediate disciple of one of the apostles, one of the disciples. And if you could claim that, you were considered to be an apostle. All of the writers in the New Testament would be considered apostles. The only one that I'm thinking of that people might question would be the author of Hebrews. But we don't know who that author was exactly. But that author could have known or was connected to one of the disciples in an intimate way. And if that's the case, he would have fulfilled the criteria of of apostolicity. Today... Uh, there are some churches that refer to people in the church as apostles. And they mean it in a more broader sort of way. Um, And so I would think that um, there is a certain sense in which uh, I think the evangelical church today considers the, the apostles to have ended during the apostolic era. There are no, in other words, the apostles were particularly inspired enough that they could, they could give to us Holy Scripture. But we don't recognize apostles today as being capable of giving Holy Scripture. Does this make sense to everybody? Okay. So more about that later. So apostles, and all this makes sense, this criteria, this, this hierarchy makes sense. Prophets. People who could speak, and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but, you know, as we understand prophets, a prophet is a person who, there are two kinds, and again, I'll unpack it later, but I'll just give you a heads up. There is the person who foretells, and there is the person that engages in foretelling. The foretelling is, thus saith the Lord, this is what you're supposed to do. The foretelling prophet is a person who says, look, this is going to happen. It's in the future. And if you don't change your ways, then so it has kind of an eschatological element to it, although not exclusively. So I do think there are people today who, who, have a, 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 who are inspired by the Holy Spirit who can look into the future and see things that are going to happen. I don't know how many there are, I don't know who they are, but I don't see that as having ended during the apostolic era, biblically speaking. Teachers, what makes sense, don't you think, the importance of teaching, Holy Scripture, the ways of God, the person of God, the importance of that? And not only teaching, but teaching orthodox, right teaching. There's more wrong teaching 
in the Christian faith today than there is right teaching in the Christian faith today? So it makes sense that teaching occupies uh, a position that high on the list. Miracles. Now, if you'll notice here in the, in the text, miracles, then gifts of, of healing. You see how I have it bracketed and I have it sort of italicized. Why don't we see more miracles today? Why don't we see more gifts of healing today? Maybe we're not paying attention. We, 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 may, we may call them other things, which, other things, which is absolutely true. But it seems to me that these other gifts are easier to be imposters. But it's kind of difficult to fake miracles and fake gifts of healing. Maybe the reality is that there should be much more in the way of miracles and gifts of healing, but people haven't embraced that spiritual gift in their life. They don't have the faith. They don't believe. I will tell you that in third world countries, they talk about gifts of healing and miracles all the time. Because they aren't as influenced by science and technology as we are, and among other reasons. So miracles, healing, and again, I, you, you see the, 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 the hierarchy here, the importance that miracles could play, the importance that healing could, could pl uh, play in the life of, of people. And then this is kind of interesting, that administration falls below all these, you know, like, uh, uh, I... <laughs> You know, I mean, if you ask most administrators, they think they are the most important person in the room all the time, bar none. Isn't that true? Uh, but within this economy here, it doesn't seem to be as much the case. That the work, the work of the Holy Spirit seems to be more important than the management of the Holy Spirit. But we've kind of flipped that. And I wonder if maybe that's part of the reason why we don't see some of these other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because the, the managers have taken over. Now if you're a manager, don't take it personally. Because probably what you do in terms of your management is very important. But in this economy here, ministry is what ought to, is what ought to prevail. So the Apostle Paul is very deliberate. He says, first, the apostles, second, the prophets, and then by implication, third, teachers, then miracles, then healing, then administration. And then, after administration, tongues. Now, again, if you go into some Christian communities, Christian churches, it's tongues, it's at the very top, it's number one. And they have inverted the importance of the gifts in terms of priority and the hierarchy. Why? Because tongues can be depicted as evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be faking 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's just something wrong with that. So that's the hierarchy. So out of insecurity and or pride, some Christians have used the hierarchy of the gifts of spirit in a competitive fashion. So we have this kind of list that we think is the most important. And then, uh, in other words, you know, like maybe administration or leadership or, or, or whatever, but we, we give too much importance to some and we try to ascribe that for ourselves. I mean, the truth of the matter is, so give you an example. When I was teaching at Geneva, I used to teach both youth ministry and then later on I taught in the, in the, in the degree completion program, which was the human resources component of it. And as a part of what I had to teach, I had to teach a lot of courses on leadership. A lot of courses on leadership. And I had, I had the, the premier, the salient texts of the day. All of the important texts on leadership were in my class. We would read those. So whether or not I became what it was I read is beside the point. I do know what I read, and I do know what the criteria of leadership is and are, ought to be. When I bump in to pastors, not all of them, but many of them, and we have a discussion about gifts of the Holy Spirit, almost every time a pastor will say to me in that conversation, in that kind of conversation, a pastor will say to me, well, my number one gift is leadership. And I just got to be honest with you, that would not have been my, my take. It just would not have been my take. Um, and I feel as if, and you know, I, I, I try to keep this in perspective, but my impression was that there was just tremendous pressure for pastors to ascribe to themselves the gift of leadership when that was not their gift. And it caused, in many churches, all kinds of problems. So if we misalign or, or misidentify what our gifts are, it doesn't help the body, it hurts the body. And if, we, if, if God in his providence has given us a gift that we think is kind of like a lesser part of the gift, and so we feel like we're a second-class citizen because we have some of the lesser kinds of gifts, and we try to compensate for that by, by trying to obtain or ascribe to ourselves a, a greater kind of gift in the hierarchy of things. We are not helping the body. We are not helping ourselves. We are not giving glory to God. We are not doing, we are not being us. We are being less than us. So I think this is a helpful metaphor. How many of you have ever injured like your, your small finger, your pinky, or your little toe over, how many of you? Have you really? Yeah. And your pinky or your little toe, how much did it change your life because you couldn't use your pinky or you couldn't use your little toe? You couldn't walk properly? Is that right? 
Your cash was up to your elbow. That's right. So we may think that this doesn't really matter much, but in certain ways that this is essential, it matters a whole lot. If we have to run and we have a broken little toe, let's say you had to run to save your life or to save someone else's life, your performance would be significantly impacted by a broken toe, a little toe. So the gifts that God gives to us, he gives to us because it's a part of his overarching plan. And I'll be talking more about that later, but we cannot, I'll say this. If we try to ascribe to ourselves a gift that we think is more significant, but that does not belong to us, we are playing in some sense the same exact game that Satan played with, with God the Father. You have this, I want this, I ought to have this, I'm going to say that I have it, and if you don't like it, God the Father, I don't care, this is what I want, and I'm going to take it. And so when he did that, he was no longer performing the function for which he was created. And has caused tremendous misery in all of humanity because he didn't want to stay in his lane. Whatever gift or gifts the Lord has given to us, that's our lane. Now, do it to the best of our ability. Now, in addition to this hierarchy, yes, Ruth. Why would you put something like the gift of hospitality? Service. Okay. Serving, service. Hey, well, let me just jump off of that for a second. How many here have been unbelievably blessed because somebody had the gift of hospitality or service? I mean, to tears. We have been moved because somebody has the gift of hospitality or service. Which is closely related to the gift of mercy or the gift of kindness. So there are also, in addition to this hierarchy, there are also what are called the higher or greater gifts of the Spirit. So in this same area that the Apostle Paul is talking about the gifts, beginning with verse 30 of chapter 12, he says, Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And then he, he breaks from there and goes to 31 and says, uh, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Then still a part of this conversation in, in chapter 13, verse 13, he concludes this whole section by saying, So now, Faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. So as a conclusion of desire the higher gifts, he's pointing to faith, hope, and love as the higher gifts. God does give us the gift of loving. God does give us the gift of hope. God does give us the gift of faith and that all of the other gifts that we are blessed with need to be exercised within the overarching context, the umbrella of, under the umbrella of faith, 
hope, and love, and especially love. So you can exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but if you do not have love, the Apostle Paul is saying, it's useless. It doesn't do any good. And yet here we are. We do have too many of us as believers who exercise whatever gifts we recognize, whatever gifts we have embraced, we exercise them devoid of the love of Christ. And we may, in fact, do more harm than we do good. Now, I've only been able to get through about half of my sermon this morning, and it is uh, 12 o'clock almost. So while Nate comes up and begins to conclude our service, uh, I'm going to pick up next week um, about the principles of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, unpack some more scripture, um, and then we'll see where we can go in terms after that. We'll see where we go from here. But can you just do this for me this week? First of all, can you not let go of your pursuit of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Where you are sitting at right now. I mean, can you not see the connectedness between the gifts of the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit belong together. So can you promise, will you dedicate yourself to pursuing the, get the fruit of the Spirit even more. And also, in addition to that, as you pursue those fruits of the Spirit in your prayer life, when you get up in the morning and before you go to bed at night, as you offer up your heart to the Lord, can you ask Him, can you pray to Him, Lord, would you reveal to me what my gifts or gifts are? Would you show me what my gifts are? Let me just even make this I think knowing what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are is a part of the wisdom tradition of the Christian faith. It's wisdom to know what your gifts are. So can you pray for that? And as you pray for that, can you be prepared for how the Holy Spirit might change your life and add a whole new layer of vitality and energy and purpose Because, and as I'll talk about next week, get this. In the last text that we'll examine in a week or two, it says this. It says that God reveals himself to the world through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That the world experiences God, sees God when you and I exercise the gifts that he has given to us. Could it be, could it be that one of the reasons why the world does not see God as clearly as we would like the world to see God is because the world doesn't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. They are muted, they are hidden, they are unrecognized, they are unembraced. We've got to change that. One final thought. 
I remember years ago when I sat in Dr. Riedel's office at First Presbyterian Church. I was in my early 30s, mid-30s, and we were talking about just how we were living our life and what we thought we would do with our life. And being a young man, I had in mind this this heart, this attitude, like 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 many of my colleagues, many of my fellow youth, we wanted to take this next hill. We wanted to be recognized as this next great Christian leader. We wanted that in that kind of a way. Man, we were just all about that. So when I looked at Dr. Riedel and I said to him, when you see me, what, what would you say is a primary gift of mine? And I was waiting for him to say something like leadership or whatever, you know. He said, teaching. I kind of see you as a teacher. And I was disappointed because I wanted him to see me as that person who was going to take the next hill. And it took me a long time to come fully to grips with the fact that the Lord made me a teacher. I have other gifts, but I wonder how much I lost by not fully embracing what he said so clearly to me decades ago. Don't lose any more time. Embrace what you are and what the Holy Spirit has given to you.